SD Now, episode 435, year-end interview. Recorded on the 8th of December, 2021. This episode of BSD Now is brought to you by Tarsnap. Go to tarsnap.com slash bsdnow for the online backup for the truly paranoids. And if you want to support this show, check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash bsdnow for various options how you can sponsor us and support this show. Hello, I'm your host, Benedikt Reuschling. And with me today is Tom Jones. And we're doing a special end-of-year interview with Suleen Rapen from dataswamp.org. Uh, some people remember her maybe from uh, past episodes that we did because we covered uh, her blog posts a couple of times because we found them interesting. And so we thought, hey, why don't we bring her on the show and ask her a couple of questions about how she got involved in BSD. And so that's what we did. And this is the episode that you are listening to now. All right, today we're joined by Suline Rapen. Hopefully that's the proper uh, last name. Maybe she'll correct me immediately. Uh, so thank you for <laughs> agreeing to an interview on our show. And um, we've covered uh, Celine's articles a couple of times on the show in the past because uh, we like the how-to style. And so we thought uh, we should interview her for our show. So the first question we always ask our uh, new interviewees is tell us a bit about your journey that led you here. Like, how did you get started with Unix and, or in this case, OpenBSD? Uh, okay, uh, it's a simple story. Uh, my first encounter with uh, Linux was uh, in uh, early 2000. I used uh, Slackware from a CD set in a magazine. A friend bought it, and we have uh, we had no clue. What was uh, this Linux? Because we were teenagers, we had no family or friends in IT. And we just installed it on my family computer, formatting everything, losing data. Oops. So we just uh, stopped at this point. But later, when I had my own computer and some fast, unlimited internet access, uh, I've tried again Slackware, um, Mandrake Linux, Red Hat. Everything was free. I had um, rewritable CDs, so I can try them all. Um, uh, I, I've learned a lot from from this. Uh, I knew something was named uh, FreeBSD. Uh, I wasn't sure what it was like, but I knew a few people uh, on IRC telling me it was uh, a lot better than Linux. Uh, I won't make comments on this, but uh, I tried it with a PC BSD on my first own laptop. It was uh, very easy to set up with a PC BSD. And actually, I was enjoying using uh, this for, for myself. Um, uh, I destroyed the system a few times. I had to reinstall a lot at the beginning because I had no clue what uh, I was doing. Uh, later, uh, during my um, university time, um, I became more skilled in a Linux or FreeBSD system. And finally, at my first job, I was using FreeBSD every day and switch all the Linux server to FreeBSD. 
Oh. Um, and then uh, I wanted to try OpenBSD because a lot of people said it was nice and uh, it was a bit different than FreeBSD. So uh, I used it. I started sending patches to the mailing list, mostly for package because uh, some package I was using were um, had issues or were not up to date. So I just sent uh, updates and finally I bit invite in the team. Okay, and what did you study at the university? Was that computer science or something else? Um, it was in IT for huh? becoming a developer. So I've learned C oh, okay. and Java. And the best we learned about uh, networking or system was installing Debian and set up a DHCP server. <laughs> that sounds better than my degree. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we, we, we only learned Java RMI for networking. I always thought it was really funny. Yeah, so you, you mentioned submitting um, patches for, for ports to OpenBSD. Are there other larger open source projects that you have worked on? Oh, yes. Uh, recently, I'm a bit involved in uh, some Linux distribution. I've been sending a package update for Geeks, Nix, and Solus. But um, I, I'm really tied to OpenBSD, and um, this is really the, the most of my contribution. What, what is it that draws you to these other projects that's missing from OpenBSD? Uh, I, I just want to try a new ID and don't um, stay in my field in, in OpenBSD doing the same thing. And they are very interesting workflows. Uh, IDs in other projects, and maybe we could import uh, some in in OpenBSD or at least for personal work. Yeah, that's really cool. It's always good to see what other projects do and get an idea of what's possible in other frameworks. Uh, could you tell us a bit about the dataswamp.org shell community and maybe some other shell communities? Yes. Um, a shell community, I would say it's um, a group of friends gathering uh, on a server with a SSH account. Most of people will run their IRC client from there. And we have an IRC server with a dedicated channel. And we speak uh, about weather, illness, uh, hobbies. It's usually small communities, I think, and that is one where a dozen active uh, members monthly. Um, we have a mail address, uh, some space for uh, Gopher or HTTP publishing. So Data Swamp is not open for registration. So don't even try. But uh, if uh, you want to try, there is a tiled community offering free shell access easily. And very, very SDF. Uh, an old community gathering around NetBSD and um, old protocol and hardware. Um, they have a nice uh, BBS, so a built-in board system. So it's just uh, something you, you SSH in, on the server. Um, it's like a forum, but uh, in a terminal. 
Okay, interesting. I think Tom has been involved in a couple of shell communities as well. Uh, just SDF. Okay. SDF's cool. Right. It's cool. So another thing we found uh, on your blog is uh, you did the old computer challenge. So for the people, we put the link to that in the show notes uh, who haven't read that yet. It's basically limiting yourself uh, to one CPU and 500 megabytes uh, memory to relive the old days. Um, so can you tell us a bit about uh, what you learned uh, doing this challenge? Um, this challenge was uh, very interesting. Uh, it was for a week. And I chose uh, an old PowerPC laptop from Apple. And I chose to run OpenBSD on it, which uh, is not the easiest choice for this. Uh, what I've learned is the, the reliance I have on websites, on uh, the combination of PowerPC and OpenBSD. I had no JavaScript capable browser. So I had to, to find um, tricks. Uh, so for example, someone helped me to to get weather from terminal or just uh, use console browser for displaying uh, pictures, getting video from services without uh, browser. I also found we had great improvement in the keyboard touchpad, screens, noisy disk. I had a, an old hard drive in it and it was very noisy. So it, it was a very interesting experience. I start an uh, IRC channel for it. And now we have a small community of uh, 30 people maybe. And uh, it's very cool. It's still active even if uh, the challenge ended a few months ago. And we plan to make this a uh, yearly change. So maybe in the future, I will write about this. If you want to, to join, uh, there, will, there will be a list of uh, rules or just specs. So everyone can, uh, can enjoy <laughs> this challenge for themselves. Oh yeah, that would be great. So we could announce it here on the show, maybe a couple of weeks before so that people can <laughs> uh, join and uh, relive the old days when hard drives were a bit more noisy. Yes. <laughs> among it other it will be important to gather everyone uh, feedback to, to discuss about this because it was very, um, the community that was very interesting along with the challenge. Um, we were uh, discussing about tricks or how to improve this or some use case. That's really cool. I was, um, I was a bit, um, shocked when I saw your choice of computer because the first laptop I had that was mine was a, a, a G4 iBook with 512 megabytes of RAM, which is exactly what you picked. Um, and I just thought it was really funny that this is now a classic computer and it, obviously it is. Uh, I remember in 2007, OpenBSD support for PowerPC was remarkably better than FreeBSD support, but neither of them could manage Wi-Fi at all. And I think Linux struggled to do Wi-Fi. Um, was, was the hardware okay to use? Because there's been a lot of development over the years. So was the hardware well supported? Uh, yes, uh, the hardware support was uh, very good. I had uh, wireless working. Uh, touchpad was working, but with one big button, it um, had some issues sometimes. The, the graphic card was able to handle OpenTTD, 
which uh, was enough for another computer. And um, we had Charlene uh, Wending, an OpenBSD developer who spent a lot of time <coughs> to improve the state of package on uh, PowerPC. And we have a JavaScript capable browser now with a WebKit. Cool. But could you could you remember what the browser is called? Uh, every WebKit based browser. That that's that's amazing. Um, from what you said at the start, it sounded a lot like um, if you if the web wasn't available with JavaScript and you were back to using stuff on the the command line, um, you could go so much further back because um, you could use like really old computers. Um, there's a a Y a ESP thirty two based Wi Fi thing, so you can give um, retro computers um, like a fake modem that will do SSL for you, so you can do TCP. And so there's web browsers written and there's a, like a 68K based search engine, which targets really old computers so you can run web browsers on them. Um, but it's a bit sad because I remember, I remember my G4 uh, iBook being okay. Like it could browse the web with JavaScript as JavaScript was in 2007. So it's really nice to hear that there's a, a WebKit capable browser that will still run on it now with OpenBSD. Yes, uh, the, the system is really usable. Uh, the screen was, was a bit uh, small and uh, not uh, pleasant for the eyes, uh, but really uh, the, the, the system was uh, nice. Uh, if we get the um, uh, JavaScript apart, I, I could play some uh, video, listen to music, record podcasts, write code, play some games. Uh, it, it would still be relevant these days. And I think what the benefits of the BSDs is that you don't have to upgrade to now to newer systems so so quickly, right? Because so many things that you typically do are still supported, and for a long time they will be. Um, we still have a six months uh, schedule for every release, but uh, every release try to keep compatibility with uh, old hardware, and we really do our best to to keep. Uh, architecture working. All the PowerPC package or build are done on um, real hardware at OpenBSD. So we have no emulation or um, virtualization for this. And uh, everyone do their best really to keep uh, the hardware working. So you can have a 15 years old laptop and still up to date uh, with latest crypto and uh, everything working. Yeah, that's really cool. And it was really nice being able to go back through your blog and, and find the things you've done. Um, have you found that, that blogging helps with your understanding of concepts? And do you think the blog posts lead to helpful feedback that get you further with ideas? Yes. Uh, when I write on my blog, I have quite high expectation from myself. Um, when I try to explain something to other, I have, I'm forced first to read the documentation and be sure about what I will publish. So I write for myself first. So my blog is my reference documentation for me first, and then I publish so everyone can enjoy it. But this forced me to have a very good quality and give links. So when I come back later, I can have links directly to the project to check for updates. And I also spend time to revisit 
all text to be sure they are still valid or relevant. Sometimes I have to clean uh, some page or some code which is uh, obsolete. Like um, recently I removed some page about uh, FreeBSD 10 for something that was uh, not relevant anymore. Um, I am quite surprised. I have a lot of um, feedback from people uh, on IRC, Mastodon or email. That's why I left my email address on the top of the blog. So every reader can uh, reach me. And without having a comment section on my blog, because it, uh, it's a static website, I still have uh, high quality feedback about uh, typo, improvement, new ID, or mistakes uh, I could have done. That's really cool. Do you read other people's blogs? Uh, sometimes, but um, this is not uh, something I do a lot. Yeah, so a lot of people, uh, so when we did tutorials way back when, even before I joined this show, uh, with today, in these years, we still get asked, hey, where are the old tutorials? They used to be so great. They worked so good. And so that's why we now link to other people's tutorials, because we think they're better than the stuff that we can come up with. And they will also maintain that and update it for, for any system changes. And so that's why we had a couple of your tutorials in, in past episodes. And it's always good to have, to read them, right? Even we as moderators uh, don't know everything, even though we try to make the impression. Uh, no, we... <laughs> Um, it's it's great to see these uh, tutorials and what people you know write about and you know describe it in a certain way. So yeah, that's really appreciated. And a lot of uh, our readers probably think the same way. When I write uh, an article, I try to get um, a new content or something innovative, and not just rewrite the, the reference documentation. So I try to add something that you can't find somewhere else. And sometimes it's a bit hard to find topics to write about because uh, there are already a lot of people who, who covered uh, uh, that subject. Uh, I, I find you include a lot of your um, personal experience in your blog posts and a lot of what brought you to tools or to processes. And I always find that really, it makes them really interesting because it's showing like, the steps you're thinking through. Um, and then also you're just like, well, go read this documentation, it's better. And I, re I really like that you do that and you have that mixture. I think it's it's quite personal, but it still makes the post very valuable. Yes, the point is not to say uh, this is the way to do something, but this is how I came up doing this because I had issue with someone, uh, something else or this tool um, works better in some situation. Uh, I'm not doing a black and white uh, style of text. Um, I think uh, readers also like this. Yeah, and, and sometimes it's the approach, like what did we try first? And then we didn't get very far with that. And then we tried this and that. And that's also interesting for people, like what people uh, do to come up with a solution or go somewhere to find the, the eventual correct way to do the things. Yeah, great. Um, do you have, uh, or are there any ideas that you have written about that you want to revisit or try again? There is uh, one article I did. I think it's the uh, one I spent the most time to write. 
It took me at least uh, two or three days. It was uh, long how to make a mail server with uh, Slackware and Sandmail and Cyrus IMAP. So I, I've picked something like the worst combination of unusual uh, tools because uh, I love Slackware. I start with this. I'm, using, I'm not using it today, but I still want this to be relevant and show people it can be used. It's a serious project. I just want to give uh, some mail. Uh, some mail is not popular anymore. Um, I just want to show it's it's still working. You, you can't throw this and just say uh, some mail is old. Don't use it. You can. It works. Uh, I I want people to to think more than there is Linux um, like Ubuntu, Debian, Fedora. And AMD64, you have uh, plenty of architecture. We have uh, more systems than Linux. Um, <coughs> you don't always have to pick the, the reference program for task. And I want some diversity back in the open source community. That's great. Yeah. So you, you've done some work in OpenBSD on bringing modern games to the, the platform. Um, are there any games that have become available on OpenBSD this year that you've particularly enjoyed or would like to recommend? Um, I I mostly play the games. Uh, THFR is the, is the person who made the, the games possible to run. I think my best games running are Slay the Spire, Dead Cells and Unexplored. They all run uh, natively. Uh, so we have um, one is in Java, one other is in Hacks, and the last one is in Mono. And we can play them without DRM or anything, but they, they run nicely and they should run, I hope, uh, the same in 10 or 20 years. It's really amazing the work done to run everything natively. We have no wine emulator. Why well, isn't an emulator? But <laughs> uh, no, no virtualization for playing games, no Steam, no Linux compatibility. But yet, we can find a way to to run games with um, using. We can run games which are using open source uh, libraries that we have on uh, OpenBSD. Yeah, we covered a couple of these and I guess our readership dropped dramatically because everyone's playing games now and no one's listening to the show anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh, we, we, shouldn't, uh, we should also mention that you are involved or were cr creating the OpenBSD website in the past. Very involved in that or actually had the idea for it. Yes, uh, for the website, uh, I thought we need a media for everyone to reach what's happening in OpenBSD, but in a way, non-technical people could uh, understand. So it must be some uh, a digest of uh, news from every two or three weeks. And it, it had to be something pleasant, mixing mixing tips and news and uh, art. So at first I want to, to make something like a journal. Okay. 
and it started off like a like a joke or something or like a, as a casual conversation and then you suddenly had it on your uh, on your shoulder yes at first i was speaking with uh, people on the irc and proposed them who would uh, start doing a, a website for OpenBSD? We could do this, that, and something like that. And I can make a proof of concept, and uh, maybe we can do something. The first prototype turned out great. And finally, someone had a good idea for the domain name, uh, website.puffy.cafe, which uh, I really I like a lot. Um, now we are going to release one issue every month because one issue every two weeks was a bit um, short for quality content. I, I have to pick uh, news, the, the tips, comments or quotes from someone. I, I start to include uh, interviews from developers to, to make them more um, known to, to the OpenBSD users. And uh, so far, everyone likes uh, the result. Yeah, it's really great. And it's something that uh, other projects haven't thought about or haven't done yet. So this might be inspiring some others to do the same. Even we, as, as a weekly show, we also have to come up with our cadence and plan all this. And so having your own rules as a monthly website or as a monthly publication, I think is a good uh, way of not burning out too quickly, but also providing enough content that people look forward to. So yeah, it's it's great. We'll definitely cover more of those when they come out uh, because our readers or our listeners are also uh, looking out for news from OpenBSD and might also be new to the to the subject. Uh, we, we may have in the future a translation in other languages. Oh, even better. So it's international now. Cool. Wow. So, so far, I have two people who asked me how to translate this. For now, uh, the framework I use doesn't support the translation. So I have to think about um, how to proceed. So it, it's currently in progress, but there are people willing to, to translate in their own language. Oh, yeah, that's good. So it's always helpful for people to pr translate uh, into their own language or in another language at all to to help people who may not uh, speak the language. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of nice to see this in the open source world that everyone can contribute. Even language translations are very welcome. So that's really great. Okay, uh, so anything else you'd like to mention before we let you go? Not really, just uh, it was a pleasure for me to, to participate in uh, this. <laughs> Thank you for uh, agreeing to interview. And uh, we will watch this space, as we say. We will watch the uh, data swamp and your blog posts. Uh, and we'll put here and there the ones that are, uh, from our uh, perspective, interesting into our show as well. And then maybe in the future, we'll do another interview. If uh, you're starting new projects or doing something else, uh, we're always interested to see, you know, what people do over the, over the years with, uh, with their projects in, uh, in open source in general. So thank you. That's fine. I have uh, always many projects uh, in my head and so little time to, to write them down or make them uh, real. Oh, yeah. I think Tom and I can uh, relate to that very well. So only so many hours in the day. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, thanks again for uh, agreeing to the interview and uh, good luck with your projects and with your uh, blogging in the future. And we'll 
uh, look forward to more. Thank you. So we hope you liked this interview with Celine. Thank you again, Celine, for agreeing to an interview with us. And uh, before we let you go, we should mention this uh, week's sponsor for BSD Now is Tarsnap, because Tarsnap is our uh, sponsor for a number of episodes now, and it's just the greatest way to back up your data. It's providing you with a backup service into the cloud, but before the data to be backed up reaches the cloud, it's being encrypted locally and not just when it reaches the cloud, when it's already too late and people in the meantime or in the middle can uh, grab the data and read it. No, not with Tarsnap. Tarsnap creates a key for you that you can use to unencrypt or encrypt your data. Then it does a little bit of uh, shrinking your data in various ways, compressing it and deduplicating it to make it smaller. And then encrypted backup from your machine leaves your computer and is stored in the Tarsnap cloud on AWS. And there it sits until one fateful day you need it back, either tomorrow or next year or next decade, whenever that is. If you still have the key, you can do the reverse. Download the backup from Tarsnap, unencrypted, undeduplicated, whatever that <laughs> reverse operation is, and then you have your real files back. But in case you lose your key or someone you destroyed it on purpose for whatever reason, then no one, not even the Tarsnap folks, can recover this key and the backups are always uh, encrypted. They stay this way and they have no means of getting to your real data. It's just gibberish for anyone else looking at it. Uh, it has a very competitive, competitive pricing solution. Tarsnap is pay-as-you-go, so you charge up your account with maybe $10 to begin with, and then you make a backup. And if you run low on your backup, they will, uh, or on your uh, account, then they will uh, send you an email, that the one you're registered with, and let you know that you need to charge up so you'll never have a surprise bill and they can provide you with data and information about you know how much your uh, backup costs. And you can also simulate how much a uh, given set of data would cost and uh, that you can do offline and Tarsnip will then tell you, oh, this amount of data will cost you this and this uh, to backup in our cloud. So check out tarsnap.com. And the paranoid part in, of Tarsnap is that you can read parts of the source code and figure out, are there any backdoors or hidden ways they screw with our data or some uh, other weird thing. And this is provided by Tarsnap as well. There's also a bug bounty that you can uh, get money for in case you found from a small typo mistake to a very serious security flaw that you might have overlooked. And that's what they also offer. So check out the whole Tarsnap site, the documentation, and the design architecture. Anything in there will be interesting to you. And start making backups with Tarsnap sooner rather than later. Okay, uh, since this was a special episode for today, we have no feedback and questions, uh, comments, uh, or any other things of that nature, but we want to have them in the new year. Uh, this is a very popular section always in the BSD Now episode, so keep sending us your questions and then we'll have them in a future episode. The email address to send this to is feedback at bsdnow.tv. We're also uh, announcing our new episodes on Twitter. It's twitter.com slash bsdnow. And don't forget our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash bsdnow. Very easy to remember. And that's uh, where you can support this show, maybe with a small uh, monetary uh here's a here's a nickel for your episode 
whatever you think it's, it's necessary. The show will always be free, so you can still reach it, but maybe you want uh, to have it without uh, any ads in there and make it uh, a bit shorter this way. Uh, whatever you like, um, check it out on patreon.com slash BSD now. So this, uh, again, is our last episode for this year, but not the last episode you will hear from us. We have more coming in 2022. But as the year draws to a close, we want to thank you uh, for listening to us over the last year. I hope you uh, draw some information out of it. The uh, feedback we gave or the tutorials that we posted in our show notes was helpful to you in some regard. And we wish you the best for 2022. Uh, stay healthy, stay well, and we hope to have you as a listener again in the new episode, which is <laughs> next week again. Uh, have a good start into the new year, and we hope to have you back here with us next time. Mm -hmm.